Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on August the 22nd, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the nurse on my hospital ward. Ew. And a caffeine rage, and ew. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing a couple of games that we've played. Why a British Columbian YouTube empire suddenly became mired in controversy. The wait between major video game sequels is getting longer. And in our own sequel, completing the Community Corner topics from last week that I was too sleepy to go through, Pathfinder Dev deletes third-party analytics tool, and Rockstar buys makers of GTA Online 5M mod. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you today? He asked, full well knowing the answer. Fucking tired. Right. Me too. Different reasons, but me too. Mine's just my life. Just my normal everyday life, and as I get older, I'm just not able to endure so many things on such little sleep as well as I used yeah, to could. Yeah, me, I went out on an adventure today and did some stuff and some things. So, yeah. Right, met a couple of cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 it turns out they did not age well. <laughs> Most of us don't. Can't blame him for that. I mean, I at least have most of my hair still. That's true. I do happen to have most of my hair, but I'm not that old yet. Just old enough to start being t- old and tired. But so, uh, you'll have to check out Franken content for which cartoon characters, right? Right, coming soon, ish, maybe to a Franken episode near you. Speaking of coming soon, let's jump into some games. Sure, let's do and, it. And for me, it's this is going to be a bigger game than uh, possibly you might expect. Retro Game Challenge. This is a DS title. Uh, one of which I have uh, totally, completely, legitimately started playing. 100%, yeah. So, the idea of this game, alright? This is more of a compilation of games. Where... You're basically accosted by this future game master that has taken over the world. And he's challenging you to be his games. And he sends you back to the 80s to, with a child version of, of himself. And he's forcing you to, in order to escape this fate of reliving the 80s, because, right? Uh, to complete various uh, video game challenges. And the, the game is like a love letter to you know that a certain time frame of like eight, late eighties, early nineties gaming, uh, complete with full on manuals. At, and whenever I, uh, whenever you hear game compilation, I'm sure you're thinking, you know, like many games, you know, WarriorWare style. But no, we're talking full on retro style games. Uh, eight of them to be exact. Uh, uh, various uh, genres as well. A couple like takes on racing, a RPG, uh, a couple platformers, uh, something along the lines of like Space Invaders, uh, a couple like vertical shooters, some shmups. And, yeah, uh, 
which was kind of big in the eighties was like the vertical vertical shooter where instead of the you know widescreen it's like portrait mode. Yeah, and like the spaceship at the bottom of the screen. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean okay, so this is gonna sound weird to possibly the younger people, but let, let's go with it. Uh is that it, it feels so much like a love letter to it because of how they present everything. So you're giving you're given one game at a time, yeah, like you would uh, back in the day, right? When we had, yeah, like I have this game and maybe this other game to play, right? Yeah, and each game comes complete with a full-on manual, and it does explain how to play the game in the game, <laughs> yeah, just like back in the day, right? Right. But also, as you complete challenges, essentially time is moving forward. And more magazines are coming out. The old style of game tip magazines talking about game rumors, upcoming games that you, you'll get to play later on. Uh, cheat codes, that sort of thing. And it just feels like this... Uh, uh, like a time capsule of uh, uh, like late 80s, early 90s nostalgia. Even though it is more based on uh, the... Uh, of the era in Japan than the U.S. So, yeah, there's the more Japanese-focused games. Uh, uh, there's no, like, beat-em-ups, which were really big back then, for, uh, at least in the West, that sort of thing. But it's just uh, it's just presented so well, you know? Uh, every game is fully playable uh, once you unlock it, but then you have essentially... Ch- uh, I think it's four challenges per game. And they uh, rank from a pretty easy to get to a certain level to annoying but doable to actually uh, very hard. Uh, like one of the ones I completed recently. Uh, this has been a game I've been picking up and putting down yeah, for you know, a couple of months now. Uh, is in their like... Uh, knockoff uh, platformer game. It's like a mixture of uh, Mario with like uh, actually uh, like Hotel Mario where you're opening and closing doors and stunning people. Um, You have to uh, defeat all the enemies up to level three without taking damage and without using uh, any weapons and only using like the doors and you have Opening and uh, shutting them uh, to stun enemies to uh, knock them out, you know? Right. And it actually takes a, a lot of uh, uh, skill to be able to do that, and it was really satisfying. As silly as it might seem, you know? I wouldn't call that silly. I mean, older well, games... I mean, there are newer games that do this too, but older games... um in order to be satisfying, had to rely a lot more, generally speaking, on having solid or skill-based mechanics because of hardware limitations. So if the mechanics are good, if the gameplay loop is really good and satisfying, like, that and, doesn't sound silly at all. Is that, okay, these might be like, you know, kind of knockoffs of uh, real-world games, but they're Space Invaders uh, Galaga-type shooter is actually a really solid game, <laughs> right? And that's, and I think that's what really kind of sells it, too, is that, yeah, these weren't games that we played back in the day, 
but you could like see the DNA from where they came from, right? Right, sort of spiritual successors slash love letters uh, slash uh, uh, mutant abominations, because a couple of them are like mashed together of uh, different uh, uh, games. Like the very first one you get is, has like Space Invaders le- levels, and then you go to like Hyper Warp, and then you're in like a second game. Uh, for, like, a bonus level. And then it drops back down to Space Invaders. Something that they really didn't do back in the day because they just didn't have the technology. Right. But, yeah, I would really suggest checking this one out. It, it, it's challenging. It's a lot of fun. And it also kind of, you know, captures that time period really well. You know, seeing all, like, the rumors going back and forth of, you know, uh, the the possible hidden character in this game and seeing, uh, you know, like the rumors progress over the uh, several months until they discover that, Oh, it's this cheat code that does it, you know, something that really doesn't happen anymore because one, you know, information moves so much faster these days, but also, well, let's be honest they would just tell you the character. Yeah. So the secret character air quotes, secret character, for uh, $4.99. That's one thing I do kind of miss is, uh, well, the term that was used back in the day was the playground rumors, but, you know, uh, having the mystique of gaming, having, uh, you know, nobody really knowing the exactly how something works, but now everything is so deconstructed and analyzed that seeing something that kind of captures uh, that a little bit of that feeling of uh, the mystery of how uh, how to unlock something or how a particular mechanic uh, that is a little bit mysterious in the game actually works uh, feels really satisfying and nostalgic to me, even though really never played these games back in the day because they they didn't exist. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be talking about uh, the spiritual sequel to this one probably... Uh, not next week, but the week after. Because the spiritual sequel to this retro game challenge? Yes, there, there's another one that's kind of in this vein, but not quite. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, highly recommend uh, Retro Game Challenge. If you could totally, completely, legitimately uh, get it, of course. Of course. Only, only if you can totally, completely, legitimately get it. So, okay. Well, I... The only new game I've played this week is a little mobile idle game, sort of idle game, called Magic Research, which has got, honestly, a pretty lame name. But also, like, this is a game that is is in some ways making fun of free-to-play idle games, and in some ways is being a genuinely good game. Um, it's uh, on the Google Play Store, probably on iOS as well, although I don't know that for sure, for... I think it was four bucks. Now I got it for free with my uh, Google like play rewards survey money. Um, I'm looking up to see how much it costs. I didn't even think about that. Uh, it's three ninety nine. Okay, so yeah. It, so okay, so yeah, four bucks. Um, or at least on the Google Play version because, right? Yeah. Um, and it it sells itself as an idle style game where you are a wizard 
Um, and you are the, you, you are becoming like your, your dream is to become the headmaster of a magic school. And, um, so you want to build up your own strength and power and research knowledge and build this school. And it starts off very simply. You have like two things that you can tap on, which is gather mana and then like one simple spell that you can cast. Or maybe it's like uh, conjure pebbles or something like that. And so you start tapping to gather mana and you get enough to where you can use the spell conjure pebbles and you do that a few times. And you start to slowly unlock the things that make it progress, you know, quote unquote, as an idle game. Um, and in doing so, every, I say every so often, it happens really frequently in the beginning of the game, and then it starts to slow down a little bit as the progress starts to take longer and longer to make, but you'll get little messages that are like, oh boy, sitting here focusing on gathering this mana all the time sure is tedious work. If only I could automate this process by building or developing something at, at, at a, a low cost that can give me mana for free. And, you know, like it, oozing sort of sarcasm and satire. And then it pops up like, oh, you can use this new spell to create these like mana wells that will automatically create mana for you. And once you build up enough stores of mana where that you've nearly filled out your quote unquote, your like mana meter or your storage bar, you get another like sarcastic message that's like, boy, howdy, I'm going to fill up my mana soon. I sure wish I had some way to expand how much mana I can hold. And then it pops up like something that you can build using materials from new conjuration spells that you've got. And then you need money for something, and that opens up the next school of magic, which is illusion spells, and you um, go do magic shows to earn money. And then you can slowly automate that process as well. Um Right, just... So when are you launching potatoes into space? <laughs> right. I'm not sure. I don't know if we're getting there. We might, honestly. Like, I feel like I- I'm not doing this game justice. There might. I don't know if there's a way to pull up these older or pull up these messages and reread them. The- a lot of them are very silly. I'm making it sound maybe a little too uh, brazen. I, well, the, one of the screenshots, gathering mana is useful, but why would you do it if you uh, had nothing to use it for? You uh, slowly recall how to cast spells and remember a basic conjuration spell. Create Pebble. You think of trying it soon. You've unlocked the ability to cast spells. You could die, uh, right? Yeah. They're just, like, poking fun. Some of them are a little more sort of scathing than others. Um, there's one spell that lets you double the amount of mana that you generate for a short time. And it costs, like, 30 mana up front... And then for 60 seconds, it doubles the amount of mana that you automatically generate. And there's a little joke that it pokes fun in there about you just being able to do this as opposed to having to sit and watch something. Because stuff like that for these types of idle games is usually you watch it. Either you pay some money or you watch an ad. You watch a 30 second ad and then you get like two minutes of faster production or whatever. And that's just something that you can do over and over and kind of in the beginning part of the game. It's important to do that to manage how quickly you've got mana coming in, but later on it becomes less important. And and the game starts to open open up, and it starts to become there is the idle game aspect to it, but there are management sim elements that are starting to come into play for me 
as I've started to build my first couple of school school buildings, including a dormitory, I have apprentices that I'm, you know, it, within like the framework of the game, it's like I'm teaching these apprentices how to cast magic. So I assign them spells to cast, and it's cast just the spells. Double. You you can do that, um, but it's just the spells that I have learned, and they cast them at regular intervals at sort of a, a, a mana penalty. Like it costs mana as if you were casting them, but because it's like they're apprentices, they are less efficient at casting the spell than you are. And they level up over time. You get research assistants. And uh, some of them are ones that you just kind of buy. There are others that are quirky that show up and give you like a little, um, the little objective that's like to build the, the school's research lab. And, um, there starts to become more and yeah, more characters. There's um there's something that's shown here in the screenshot that I haven't got yet, which is some kind of exploration and combat mechanic, which looks interesting, but I, I haven't got there yet, so I don't know what that's like. I'm hoping that's coming soon, because um, like I said, I've built two two school dormitories, one research building. I've got like a log farm that like magically is like is operated by magic. Um, got a handful of apprentices, uh, three research assistants. And the research assistants um, help you level up your magic skills faster and unlock new spells and new branches of the uh, the magic trees. Like the three that it tells you about at the beginning of the game are Conjuration, Illusion, and... Ooh, what's the third one? Conjuration, Illusion. There, there's a third one that I haven't really used yet. and But... There are, like, at the beginning, whenever you're creating your, you know, quote-unquote wizard class, you get some spells that you can pick as, like, favored spells, and some of them I haven't even, like, seen yet. Like, I picked, like, a favorite element of fire, because I'm like, oh, fireball, that's very on-brand for me. But so far, I haven't gotten access to casting a fireball. Maybe that comes with the exploration portion. It unlocks combat-based spells. Um, but it, it's it's cute. It's silly. Um, I like it. I get well, a couple other things since it is um, an idle type game. Um, it has this, you know, offline progress that it runs, but it does it differently. So instead of it, the game just constantly running in the background, you build up these time tokens. Um, the upper limit grows. If I'm understanding, like it explains it to you, but I haven't used them yet. You, you generate these time tokens while you're not playing the game. And you can spend them in a few ways when you come back. You can either just dump them all at once, and it will give you all of the progress that you would have gotten while you were gone. Um, or you can spend them in a way that it accelerates time by like two times, four times, or eight times while you're playing. Um, which I guess has some kind of benefit. Like while you're actively managing it, you don't get these sort of overruns because if you get resource overruns, um, then that just goes to waste. The, you know, the apprentices can cast magic and the research assistants do research. So if you want that boost while you were gone, then you can have that. But if you just run it accelerated, then you can micromanage it a little bit and get more benefits. But I am, I am looking forward to seeing like, you know, what other ways this game takes things. It's, it's got a good self-aware sense of humor. It pokes fun at the genre. It can be sarcastic at times, witty at other times. And there are definitely mechanics I haven't seen yet, like the, like I said, the exploration, and then um, 
there is a way to retire and like I, I don't know if you start a new career or if you just pick a new wizard headmaster and can kind of maybe like new game plus it or something. I'm not sure yet. Like that comes up at the beginning. It's like you'll get a chance to make more more wizards later, but don't worry about that for now during sort mm-hmm. of the creation, the quote unquote character creation at the beginning of a of a run. The whole thing though is almost entirely text based. It's got some a few sprite style graphics to it, but otherwise it is it is a purely text based game. Um, it's got a really clean, simple interface, which honestly I kind of like playing it. Um, it instead of things being like flashy and weird and stuff floating around on the screen, it's like no, here's the buttons, press them to do things. Here's this menu that's laid out in a way that's logical with you know, intelligently like expanding and collapsing dialogues and um, organization to them. Like it's minimalistic, but functional in a way that a lot of these types of free to play, you know, when you get them as free to play games are not. So that's a good little experience. I, I, I don't, I have no idea if it's actually worth four bucks or not. That's the thing. Like I've played it a few hours off and on this past week. Um, I've just been letting my time tokens build up. I'm, only halfway up on how many that I've got. Like I haven't been using them. So um, I've liked it while I'm like, you know, sitting and waiting for a few minutes on a client or when I'm here, like laying on the couch with those last few dregs of consciousness before I fall asleep, um, sitting on the toilet, you know, it's, you can open it up and you can play it for a few minutes, just like any other mobile game and then close it back down. So yeah, for I me, like I'm uh, playing. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, get the cats off my goddamn legs, right? But yeah, I, I like it. Um, you know, if you like this type of game, if you, you know, maybe it is worth four bucks to you. If you're not sure, I'm sure it's going to go on sale eventually. A lot of games actually do on on Google Play, and if you use the um. Whatever the Google surveys thing is, I can't remember what it is off the top Google of my head. Rewards. Google rewards. Yeah, if you use the Google rewards, I mean, it doesn't take long to get four or five bucks on Google rewards. Like I said, that's how I got it. So, um, technically uh, Google speaking, opinion awards. So, yeah, technically speaking, it didn't cost me anything except a few minutes to give Google some of my information, which they probably already have. So, you know, fuck it. Might as well get a cute little mobile game out of the deal. That's more than some people give me, so could be worse. Well, well, it's not for like a try on your part, right? I do try to get more. Wink. You. So, uh, speaking of uh, winks and ews. <laughs> yeah. Um. Our first news topic of the night: Why a British Columbian YouTube empire suddenly has become mired in controversy, and that oh I think, boy begs right. the question. Yeah, like. That that title begs the question, which YouTube empire, if you somehow don't know? Uh, Linus Tech Tips uh, has had a bit of an implosion, explosion, both. It's complicated. Oh, uh, yeah, it's complicated. So this all started with Gamers Nexus, another YouTube empire. Yes. Uh, basically calling out Linus Tech Tips for some underhanded uh, behavior, some lackluster testing results, some questionable business practices, yep. uh, and theft. 
Yes. So, called him out. Then shit hits the fan, <laughs> right? Yep. They, they basically laugh it off, and then okay. So uh, uh, let's get into the theft part because that's kind of that, that's kind of the important part for at least the beginning of the story. So, uh, a uh, upcoming uh, hardware developer uh, was developing a. Uh, a uh, essentially a full copper heatsink for very particular uh, video cards. Okay, I'm blanking on the video cards, but it's really not important exactly which models. Okay, they sent a prototype to Linus Tech Tips as like a preview review, which is already yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Well, Linus Tech Tips decides to kind of. Force it onto another card that it was wasn't designed for, and then basically uh, calls it a piece of trash, uh, which is not far off of what they actually said about it, uh, saying that it's a bad product, don't buy it. Yeah, mind the fact that it's a prototype, and right, now it's a prototype that they used on the wrong GPU, and then blamed it for not working properly because they forced it to work with a GPU that it wasn't designed to work with. So it wasn't getting proper contact. And yeah. So then the dev part comes in where uh, they, uh, Billet Labs, the uh, maker of the uh, heatsink, wanted back both the prototype and also the card that they sent for them to test with. But, you know, uh, Linus Tech Tips uh, used a different card because they're a bunch of chuckle nuts. Uh they kept laughing it off until they sold it at an extra life auction. It wasn't their heat sink. It it was loaned to them and they sold it. Right? Yep. Basically tanking the company or potentially tanking the company because you know, you're selling a, their most advanced prototype and who knows who ends up with it, right? Yeah. And there is, I mean, if you know, I think most of us here are sort of moderate to high-end PC enthusiasts, like, you know as well as we do that there is a vibrant but very niche market for these types of products. And there's only room for a couple of potential manufacturers to be able to survive. Especially on, like, the super niche, super high-end stuff. I I think it's that way in a lot of industries. Which I'm pretty sure this was being designed for. And that's the kind of thing is that uh, even we don't even know, yo, if they were onto something on the engineering side of things, because the uh, fuckwits over at Linus Tech Tips used it on their own goddamn card and complained about, you know, heat issues, right? Yep. So, yeah, there's that. There's some questionable benchmarkings that they uh, show on multiple videos that uh, GamersNex has pulled up. Uh, Some things that uh, just are out of the realm of uh, margin of error, and it's just questioning uh, questionable uh, uh, practices, such as seeing a 300% jump uh, from one video card to another on performance when it shouldn't do that. Yeah, well outside the margin of error should be like triggering a flag for like, oh, something's wrong, either with our testing process or... And, uh, and here's the thing, is that 
Linus Tech Tips pretty much came out and said that they knew they uh, they were putting out bad numbers, but they didn't want to spend the money to retest something. Now, in case you're you're listening and you're not aware of the scope of Linus Tech Tips, when we say Linus Tech Tips or maybe just LTT as they've kind of rebranded over the last few years, they have multiple YouTube channels, multiple multiple portions of their business. They do a lot of in-house production of their own merch. Um, they've got this thing called labs that they set up with people like former devs and engineers from AMD, like that they hired. Um, the company was valued at over a hundred million us dollars. Um, I think it was last year. They, there was an offer made for LTT for over a hundred million dollars and they did not take the offer in order to remain independent. So this this company is worth at least a hundred million US dollars. I think I think the uh uh thing should be was worth. I don't think that this is gonna tank the company. I just Yeah, but it's also gonna hurt their valuation because uh a tech reviewer that pulls uh, that puts out absolute trash numbers and has some very off uh, review practices is fucking worthless. Yeah, but and I know, I know. Uh, there's people that ride Linus's dick, and L- they are also fucking blind to it. LTT is not just a tech reviewer anymore. They're barely a tech reviewer. Like you don't watch LTT, and I really don't watch LTT anymore. I I, I, tr- I tried watching LTT a few years ago. And they reminded me to way too much of like the very end of G four, where they were trying to be the MTV of tech. Linus was that, and he was fucking infuriating. LTT. So okay, one of the things that really prompted this, and you may have said this, and and I apologize if I'm repeating something that you said because you know we're we're a little all over the place. L. The, one of the things that, that had Gamers Nexus do this sort of um, initial analysis slash call out slash whatever you want to call it was because of their shoddy um, uh, shoddy work. You know, lack of mm-hmm. showing their work, bad numbers, etc., etc. And brought up the fact that LTT has been in, in the decline for some time now in terms of their quality of production for stuff like this. LTT has expanded so much over the last few years that they have become more like those major YouTube channels that do things for spectacle. Like some of Linus's or some of LTT's more recent sort of video projects where they used to be PC PC builds are now they feel like vanity projects. I mean, they are Linus, you know, bought a new house a couple of years ago and he showed like something that was mildly useful of like, here's how you wire up a house for ethernet and building a server cabinet and putting in like these custom things that i have built and then he installs a pool and does this over complicated using his pool as a radiator for his pc like looping the pool into his pc's custom water loop and that was a video series that they put together over the course of that's called a tax write-off i did not watch it like I was aware of it, I didn't watch it because I don't care. That I think that's ridiculous, stupid, and useless. But like those are the types of things that they're doing all the time. These crazy, ridiculous, over the top builds 
And like every once in a while, if you want to do something a little silly or big, like that's fine. I don't begrudge anybody for, for, you know, flexing a little bit every once in a while. That's fine. But that's what the entire main channel had become. And they have two other channels, three other channels. That's like tech quickie, which is like little quick tech tips or explanations for things or little pieces of news and then short circuit which is like um unboxing first impressions type videos of of products and most of their in-depth tech review stuff is buried because they're producing videos for multiple channels every single day this team is and so the work is just getting more slipshot all the time with no quality control. And there are multiple instances of Linus's employees in videos saying like, um, cause they do a few, they did a few like sort of self documentary style videos and some occasional things where it's like, you know, roast, we roast Linus or, or whatever. And they would all say like feedback that they would give on every single one of those is like, yeah, we wish we'd just slow down the production schedule a little bit. Like we want to spend some more time doing quality control, on our own videos, on our own products. So over the course of the last probably five years, really, um, this has been a slow but slightly accelerating downward spiral of their quality as the channel continues to grow and expand and Linus becoming ever so slightly more and more unhinged as this goes along. I mean, he's not even in some of his, of his more sort of angry, emotional responses to things, I'm not trying to insinuate that he's like, quote unquote, a crazy person, but he is unable to separate the personal, his personal side from his business side. And I said this to you in one of the DMs that I sent It's like, it seems like that Linus over the years has, you know, this has been his baby, his project, his, his legacy. And the more and more it grows, the more he sees any kind of attack or criticism against his business or his brand as a personal attack. And he just does not seem capable of handling that. And I, I mean, I don't know if I could either. I'm not saying that I could. But what he needs is to step back, honestly, probably step down for a long time from anything I mean, on his I mean, channel. Didn't, uh, didn't he basically step down already? So he stepped down as CEO. Um, his former boss, Taryn, from when he worked at uh, wherever he worked before. I, I don't know a ton about Linus's history. I just remember in his early, early videos from when I first started watching him like 10 or 12 years ago was for another, another business before he spun it off in the Linus Tech Tips. And his boss from there is who is or his former boss is now the CEO of Linus Tech Tips, and he gave himself one of those weird, like, titles of Chief Vision Officer, and he's, like, still listed as the company owner, and he's on their their company board, but he's no longer, quote-unquote, at the helm of the company. But he still appears in videos, he's still in the management structure, he still is uh, doing their podcast, The WAN Show, Um, so he's still got his hands in the pie, so to speak. He's just not listed as being in charge anymore. So, uh, speaking of hands, uh, since we're talking about scummy shit going down, of course there's also sexual harassment, because of course there is, right? Yeah. Yep. 
which is kind of glossed over in this one article. So here, have a, a secondary link. So basically, once the kind of uh, once the mask kind of slipped off uh, and showed that, yeah, shit's not all get that great over here. One of his former employees started uh, putting on uh, the former Bluebird about how she was sexually harassed and uh, belittled by Linus and uh, her colleagues. And oh, right, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, number one, all corporations once once you get to a big enough level to be quote-unquote, a real corporation, this is going to start happening if it hasn't been already. Like, it just does. There's something about that power structure, the, the power in general, that makes people feel mm-hmm. like they can do stuff like this. Absolute so I, power corrupts absolutely. Yes. So I'm not surprised at that. But also, Linus, I, I'm sure there are parts of him that he he keeps away from sort of the public view. But... I mean, his personality has become more front and center, which you mentioned earlier, like as over the years. And he's very, uh, he's an asshole on the cam, like on camera. He can be a a huge dick. And I don't, I don't know. I don't want to seem like I'm reading too much into things, both as like a psychologist and also as like, you know, going back and looking at some of this stuff, like knowing what's happened now. But, like, he just, like, you can just see it with the people that he works with. Like, he'll say or do something, and there's that that little moment of, like, oh, shit, is he being serious this time? Like, am I, like, am I in trouble? Am I actually in real trouble for this? Like you said, Linus has got, like, this weird kind of almost, like, cult following. And you can see it in responses to, uh, her name is Madison Reeve. You can see it in the response to her Twitter post and in some other places. Yeah, why didn't you uh, come out and say this sooner? Right? Yeah, uh, that, that's, the, that's the big one I keep seeing pop up. No, I'm not saying it to her. I'm saying that's what uh, these assholes are saying. Yeah. It's just victim blaming, really. Yep. But, you know, there are plenty of people from the LTT community who went on the Gamers Nexus videos and were really talking some shit. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that there have been, like, I haven't seen this anywhere, but I am 100, like, I would bet good money on the fact that like because of this people have made death threats against people who are criticizing Linus oh 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 uh, uh like the uh uh his uh community that caused a young boy and his brother to commit suicide are we yeah, talking about this that's is that older though uh, like, it's I a mean, bit oh, it's a bit older but it's still talking about the cult personality around Linus. No, fair enough, but I'm talking about, like, now. Like, I would guarantee that there are people making death threats now because of what's going on. Well, I was more saying, if they're doing it back then, imagine what they're doing now. Oh, I I got you. That Yeah, that makes sense. Probably should have put two and two together on that one. So, uh, the thing with this is that a young boy uh, wanted to buy from another one of the charity auctions. It seems like the charity auctions have a a bad connotation with them. I don't know where it is. Yeah. Uh, wanted to buy the silver play button that Linus was auctioning off and have it engraved with his channel name because uh, there was something about 
uh, his channel that made him eligible for the play button. Uh, it could just be where he was a kid. And, and, all right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he won the auction, and, but then had to get the button back. Uh, but Linus uh, plugged his channel, which caused his cult to basically dump on the kid, threw the kid into depression, and eventually the child took his own life. And then his mother, uh, unable to continue on, uh, took her life. Yeah. Yep. That's that's a thing that they did. I hate shit like that. Mm-hmm. But so kind of the at least as far as I'm aware so far, the final sort of big chapter in this story for now is that there was a video released that was 20, 20 minutes, 22 minutes, something like that. That that includes all of the lead people, you know, the department heads at LTT, mm-hmm. including Taryn. The you know, it starts and ends with him, and there's a section in the middle. But they've got like their chief HR, their head writer, their head graphics design person, the person that's in charge of labs, um, like all of those folks come on and they're making statements. That is corporate, you know. It, it's it's apology dot mpeg four, as you said earlier. <laughs> um when we were off off recording um and it's the same kind of stuff we've seen and heard before delivered just as flatly by almost all of them a couple of the ones that i i recognize as more sort of on camera talent or whatever however you want to say that you know they're a little more natural speaking into the camera so some of it might just be all of these you know normal people are being thrust into this position but i mean it's still like very corporate boilerplate like yes we've made mistakes and we we owe you better we promise we're going to do better we're doing some reviews we're going to change our structure a lot of it's very non-specific just like we're going to develop a plan that allows us to hire outside investigator because yeah They did say that. They're like, we're going to hire an outside investigator to look into these claims that have been made about harassment in the company. And, and while we're doing that, be sure to check out our merch store. They did plug their merch store twice during the video. And they make a couple of jokes about, you know, after our sponsor, you know, whoever or whatever for the video, they make that joke a couple of times. And honestly, once is like bad, you know, kind of a bad taste. But I, I think the impression is that like they're trying to be like, no, guys, we're it's OK. We're OK. And bad taste, but whatever. I might have given them one, but they did it twice. And they mentioned the, the merch store twice during the video. And it's like, OK, no. So, yeah, it's 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 apology.mpeg4. That is all of the same stuff that we've heard from these corporate, uh, you know, apology uh, see, videos. Uh, okay. and so JPEGs before. Did uh, did he like you? Yeah. Sit down and do the whole, it's been a rough day. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Absolutely. He hey, sits, I he, promise you, I did not watch this video. No, like in the very beginning, he sits down and he's like, um, Taryn is his name. Like I've said it a couple of times, but he's like, well, it's been a long weekend. Um, it's been a lot going on. This isn't how I wanted all of you in the community to meet me, but let me introduce myself. I'm Taryn. I'm the blah, blah, blah. Here's my businessman credentials. Here's how I've known Linus. 
I was brought on as the new CEO six weeks ago. We've got a lot of work to do and we need to own up and apologize for what we've done. And it's like the flat, very insincere sounding delivery, you know, like, and like I said, all of the department heads come on and talk about, you know, sort of this thing or that thing. Some of them have got slightly more specific plans or slightly more specific explanations for what's going on. But for the most part, it's like we intend to implement some new steps in our testing process and in our workflow. And they show like, you know, like kind of a generic um, flow chart. It's like in our workflow so that we're more likely to catch any mistakes that might happen. And we were wrong for not retesting this thing. And we're going to implement some procedures for determining what's a valid thing to retest. So it's, I mean, it's, it's 20 minutes of that, except for a little spot in the middle where Linus comes on and he speaks and he's really the only one that you can feel something from. And like I said, like it, he gets angry while he's doing his video, like he brings up the thing about the, uh, you know, the, the prototype water block or water cooling block or whatever. He brings that up again and he gets mad about it and like, well, triples, yeah, he like triples to. down in what's supposed to be the apology video. And he's like, see, I'm just like, I get too emotionally invested in this stuff sometimes because I'm so passionate. And, and like, I'm like, nah, bud, you're not, you just no, can't. You just can't separate yourself as a person from this thing you have created or have had a hand in creating. Like, at a, at some, you know, he started it, but at some point, you know, like his team is doing so much more, wor- more work than he is. I do so, think it's kind of funny that uh, Linus went on and on about not wanting to spend $500 to uh, do proper testing. While Gamers Nexus uh, just debuted their quarter million dollar soundproof room. Yeah. Uh, gee, I wonder which one I'm going to get better numbers out of. Or better yeah. results out of, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really watched Linus or any of the LTT stuff for a couple, three years. I, I started to notice the decline around covid um and i honestly at the time i chalked it up to it's covid and maybe that was something that like pushed them in a direction that they never could recover from but over the course of 2020 and 2021 and then finally kind of in 2022 where i was watching less and less i was skipping their videos more and more and more in my feed and i'm like this is just more clutter than anything and eventually i I unsubscribed and I would occasionally have something pop up in my like YouTube recommends. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go watch this, add it to my watch later list or something. But I don't watch any of their videos anymore. And I haven't in at least a year. And I wasn't really watching a lot of their content prior to that. You know, like I said, st- I started to, to get away from it in 2020. Well, you have a higher tolerance for nonsense than I do. I've never really found their videos watchable. Not, not not decline. I'm talking about watchable, period. And this is like three or four years ago. This is way before COVID. I mean, COVID was three years ago. Well, I'm talking about way before COVID. So probably more like four or five now. Oh, God, COVID's been that long. <laughs> yeah. COVID started three years ago. Close to three and a half. 
But um, yeah. But my, my brain just locked up. I have thoughts, uh, but it just like stopped for a second. Yeah, um, I, I was about to say, are you okay? I I don't. You know, I don't think Linus Tech Tips as a brand is going anywhere. I think at quote unquote worst, there will be a temporary dip in subscribers and you know their views and things. Um, there might be a temporary sponsor dip and kind of the worst quote unquote consequence that may happen in this in the long run is that the company moves towards a rebrand away from actually using Linus's name. We've kind of seen that with it going from Linus. Oh boy, to that, Hips. that, that will uh, uh, eat away at him, huh? It would, but you know, we've seen it go from Linus tech tips to LTT, which I know that that's just his initials, but you know, that's the first step in a, in a multi-step process to completely rebrand a company. It's at that spot where that it's so big, the amount that it would take to completely destroy it is, is a lot. Um, you know, like, I mean, it can happen. Major corporations topple sometimes. And in, in the tech and sphere, it, beautiful? it is beautiful, but you know, kind of in the tech sphere, like, He's at the top, like tech media companies, like LTT is up there, you know, um, it, at least in terms of size and reach and things like that. So the amount of fallout from this that they would have to have in order to completely disrupt or destroy the company seems like an extremely high bar to pass. And that makes me really sad, honestly. Like, I don't wish bad things on any of the employees who are there no matter how sort of good or bad or culpable they are for all of this stuff, unless they were responsible for directly sexually harassing people, in which case, fuck those people. But otherwise, like these are all just people that have gotten swept up in by someone who has a a vibrant, powerful personality. But when a company gets to this point, I think that it has lost all usefulness in any fashion, except entertainment. Like it's not, in, in, it, it was already this way in your mind. It was already this way in my mind, although not quite as much. Like, I was a stage behind you, maybe two stages behind you. But to anybody who actually cares about legitimate, like, tech information, it's got no credibility left. So, to its current audience, there's nothing here except entertainment. But because of how big it is and how long its arms are, I don't think it'll have a problem f- continuing to find new audience and that makes me sad because there are people out there who are going to make poor decisions because there is at the very least several years of very poor quality work out there that will cause them to make worse decisions than if they were on a better more dedicated channel or other source of information and that i think sucks as a whole for the enthusiast community Mm mm-hmm I mean, Gamers Nexus is a big one. A lot of people know about Gamers Nexus, but I guarantee you that fewer people know about Gamers Nexus than they do about Linus Tech Tips. Although this has been a hell of a bump for him, huh? True. The old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, well I was talking about for Gamers Nexus. I mean, it's not exactly bad publicity if uh, you're shown not only be, to be correct, but turns out things were a lot more rotten than uh, you even suspected. Yeah, fair play. But so, I, I don't know. Uh, Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, not really. I think you kind of summed up everything. Uh, it's just 
it, it's sad that it's that there's going to be so many that's going to be led astray by this, and not just consumers, but you know, tech, uh, you know, technology like companies in general, because they're going to want to put their uh, products out in front of the biggest uh, names possible, or yeah, you know, the biggest audience possible. Uh, so they're going to go to Linus or Linus's company or whatever, and you know. Possibly have their product misrepresented. Or stolen. Or both. And because, well, we are going to assume, or at least I'm assuming, that they're going to investigate and find themselves that they uh, have done nothing wrong. Oh, yeah, of course. Or I, there's going to be a very paltry change, you know? Yep, some token changes. Because once you get to this point that you're not caring about the actual reviews that you're putting out and you're just you know, putting out content just to make content. Uh, I have a feeling there's no going back from that without a serious change in leadership. And let's be honest, he's not going to give it up. He, he might step down as official leader, but yeah, it, it's sort of like, uh, let's pick another egomaniac that is a complete and utter asshole. Uh, uh, Elon Musk might step down as CEO, but he still owns the place. I was gonna say, okay, who are you gonna go for here? <laughs> are you gonna go for Elon Musk? Are you gonna go for Zuckerberg? Are you gonna go for Trump? Like, uh, who's uh, uh, which? Uh, what's the name you're pulling here? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a very striking parallel. Yeah, you know, steps down as CEO, but still holds the power of the company. Yep. So, yeah, it's a lot shorter time. I, actually, no. I think uh, Musk's uh, time frame is shorter uh, on stepping down to you know still holding power. Uh, but yeah, it, although I'm still waiting for that cage fight. Uh, uh, Zuckerberg's going to come at him with his with his android strength. I mean, Zuckerberg would kick his ass. Like I know that like we we joke about like we you know we're kind of joking about this, but Zuckerberg like has been like documented like multiple times like he trains mis- mixed martial arts like zuckerberg would turn elon musk into a pretzel i mean i'd love to see it. if only there was a way for him to both uh get wiped out huh yeah but did you see where that zuckerberg like called him out being like yeah. listen he's not serious this isn't gonna happen let's just move on like basically calling him a bitch boy in billionaire speak. Yep. Uh, sorry to get off topic, but all right. Yeah, that's one of the things we do around I, I, here. I mean, we're going from one bitch boy to another. Right. So I'm I'm gonna let you pick up the next topic while I I take some drink some water, rest my throat for a second. It's gotten a little scratchy after my uh, impassioned speech there. So this is an editorial from. Axios that I saw on Reddit this week. Because let's be honest, a lot of games journalism either is derived from, because of, or fueled by Reddit, right? Until Reddit finishes imploding and doing its dumb shit. Yeah. Uh, the wait between major video game sequels is getting longer. And the they kind of postulate that this is a bad thing, but I'm going to disagree on this. So they have a chart showing the major releases of uh, Legend of Zelda, Grand Theft Auto, Halo, Call of Duty, which is 
hilarious. Uh, God of War and Assassin's Creed, and talking about how it's becoming, uh, uh, how the development cycle is getting longer and longer, to the point that, yeah, Grand Theft Auto is, what, like, 13, 15 years now uh, for the next one. Oh, yeah. Sorry, ten, uh, uh, sorry, only 10 years, sorry. Uh, where it's taking longer to develop these games. And honestly, I, I kind of see that as a plus. I mean, Call of Duty is an anomaly in this because it's multiple studios working pretty much nonstop on Call of Duty, at least yeah, the man. last time I checked. Uh, so them having a regular release cycle isn't the same Call of Duty coming out. So kind of just kind of sitting back and looking at this chart, I I feel a lot better about seeing more time spent on these games, partly because it reduces crunch, because let's be honest, these are AAA games, so there's going to be crunch. But having a longer development cycle hopefully means that the crunch cycle is reduced. I would prefer eliminated, but yeah, companies will be uh, uh, assholes, right? Yeah. But also it would allow them to explore more interesting ideas or fill out their narrative a little bit better because you know some of these games absolutely need it looking at you assassin's creed although i will admit that it's been a while since i've checked on assassin's creed story i know at one point it was just a tangled mess and that, that they basically had to reboot the story yeah i have no idea it's been assassin's creed 3 was the last assassin's creed game i played whenever that came out I played bits and pieces of Assassin's Creed. I played the first one and found it honestly a bit boring. Uh, and then, uh, and also, well, I also was starting to collect some of the collectibles. It's like, well, wait, what does this actually give me? And so I looked it up and nothing. You get nothing. Well, the satisfaction of, of collecting a thing. If I wanted pride and satisfaction, I'd be playing the EA game. That's right. Battlefront 2, baby. Get that pride and satisfaction. But um, I agree with you. I, I think that we should have longer development cycles, especially on AAA games. Um, or, you know, air quotes, AAA games. Like, for the reasons that you said, um, gives a chance to reduce crunch, gives a chance for there to be more quality game development. Like, you know, kind of pie in the sky. You know, let's shoot for the moon on this one. Might as well, you know, like, I mean, there just, was a... just take more time to do stuff properly. I know that games are going to be buggy and, and have bugs and glitches, like, but the level of which we have grown to accept games just basically being broken, I hate that. And there's a chance that we could reduce it by having games just naturally take longer. Uh, there was a uh, talk, uh, it was one of the hubs in the Pokemon company talking about maybe that they should be slowing down their uh, release cycle because Pokemon has been a very steady three to four year release cycle. And the last two mainline games have had serious issues. So, all right. Yeah. I would love to see. And like, I'm, I've been thinking about this since I first, like first glance at this. I think I'd like to see something like a five year development cycle on main releases in, you know, big game series like that feels right with the level sort of of development technology graphics 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like all the things that they want to do. Like five years seems like it should be a reasonable amount of time to put together something that's good quality in your game series. Ballpark where God of War has been the last few releases. Yeah. Uh, Halo kind of there. Legend of Zelda is at a weird spot where uh, the latest one is... Oh boy, I'm going to get burned at the stake for uh, for this one, but uh, let's go for it. Uh, uh, the latest one is essentially like an expansion pack for the previous one, with a few extra uh, added goodies and a new story. But yeah, you're uh, a, more, a good chunk of the development is saved by you know, reusing the map that you already made, right? Yeah, which to be clear, I think that's fine if you want to release something in addition to, you know, instead of it being, you know, and I'm just going to add a number, like I know this isn't right, but instead of it being like Legend of Zelda 4 and Legend of Zelda 5, you know, you could do Legend of Zelda 4 subtitle or something. Like, I'm fine with that. I am okay with that. I'm also okay with some expansion type content. I'm not okay with microtransactions and battle passes and all other bullshit, Mm. but like expansion content is fine. If you want to do that for your game or you reutilize your game in an, in a you know interesting way or as a base for something to do kind of something in between and have it be a spinoff or whatever, that's fine. But your big main titles that you like really want everybody to care about and sell fifty kajillion copies, five years. That sounds pretty good to iterate on them. I mean, and, well, I mean, especially where these game studios are just massive these days. I was going to say, with these mass conglomeration game studios, honestly, you need that anyways, from just a sort of a a basic playability perspective. I mean, yes, there are the, you know, quote unquote, the no lifers who can spend all of their money and all of their time to an unhealthy degree playing through your game series. And then there are people who fit into these categories who do have more time. Lots of younger people, um people who work from home um like we talk about this we have talked about this a lot before like this sort of crowd of like you know air quotes stay at home moms who play a a decent amount of video games they're not the type of video games that we think of but they play a decent amount of video games like you have those those folks that fit into those those categories but sort of your average air quotes average person who works a full-time job or is in school full-time or both um, they don't have, they just don't have as much time to play games. And with developers being so focused on live service type games and, you know, all of these things, like you just oversaturate a market and everyone winds up losing. Companies want to make all of the money possible, but consumers only have so much money and time to spend on your thing. And so stretching out your development cycles is, is a win-win for everybody we get at least the possibility of better games, healthier working environments, and then longer and more ample opportunities to play them. Yeah, but there's a problem with this. It doesn't allow for the perpetual infinite growth that the investors want. Right. And at the end of the day, isn't that what's really important? It's not the games you uh, produce. It's not the art that you're making. It's the profit for the investors. You're right. How dare I question the the true uh, the true purpose to all of this? 
But I mean, you know, you know as well as I do, and everyone listening, I hope, that like perpetual infinite growth is impossible. They're already not doing it. Um as uh Part of me wonders if we're gonna hit a point where uh there's gonna be some sort of bubble burst. I I'm not talking about, yo, know, eighty three levels of you know, game market crash. But things can't go on like this forever. Well, I mean, they're already not going on like this forever. Um, As James Stephanie Sterling has pointed out on a number of occasions, as do others in the industry, like it happens year on year, like these game development studios and other other companies as well. But, you know, will fire huge portions of their staff in order to make the line go up at the end of the fiscal year. And then we'll hire on new staff. They might hire on the, the old staff, but they bring on as many new people as possible so that they can pay them less. It's like, we, you know, we already see companies doing these awful tactics to try to make the line go up a little higher so that all of the corporate executive fucks can get their higher quarterly or end of year bonuses. Like, it's already not working. They, they're just still able to push the lie just hard enough that everything kind of goes on mostly because the investors are not savvy enough about video games. Nope. I think, I think most investors are not savvy enough about business either. I think that there are people who either inherited shitloads of money or somehow locked in, lucked into it and they have no idea what they're doing and they just have enough money that it doesn't matter. I think that's true. I think there's lots of evidence and market trends for that, but Every like in order to just prop up the myth, grifters constantly will like push this idea of like, no, these people are smart. They wouldn't have their money if they weren't smart, savvy business people. And it's like, yeah, come the fuck on, man. What are you talking yeah. about? That's right. Yeah. If I had a, a whole shitload of money, I would just like give it to all of my friends. It's like, here, guys, you have debt. You have problems like here. Let's just like fix all of it. And just, like, live out the rest of our days as, like, fat and lazy as we can. That that would be what I would want to do with my money. That's a lie. I would do other stuff with my money. Like, cre- I, mm, I, I shouldn't get on this soapbox too much. <laughs> I'm not even talking about doing crimes. Although I would love to, like, do some crimes against, like, racist rich assholes. But I'm not even talking about doing crime stuff. Um... The Federalist yeah. Society? Are you familiar with the Federalist Society? I'm going to get no, on the soapbox. Top of my head, but yeah, I'm also a little tired. So, so the Federalist Society is a. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. This is a real organization. It is a right wing, um, slush money fund think tank organization that is responsible, uh, for getting many, many, many right wing politicians. Okay, I into think I, power. I think I'm familiar with them now. They 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 promote prominent right wing politicians into positions of power in in state and federal organizations, including Supreme Court justices. Um, and several Republican presidents have been a part of the Federalist Society. I want to start a Federalist Society, but for the left. Let's. I just want. Let's just fight fire with fire. This whole <laughs> this whole they go low and we go high thing. It don't work. It just, it don't work. I wish it did. I wish being principled beat, you Especially know. when the lie just gets out and the retraction doesn't, yep. you know? 
I wish being principled worked to beat these racist assholes, but it doesn't. So it doesn't with our media. So fuck it. Let's fight fire with fire. Let's go. I'm coming for you. If I if I somehow got hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, that's what I would do. After I gave a whole bunch to my friends and had like, I don't know, an orgy or something. Okay, question. Is the money attached to the orgy? No. Okay. You don't have to participate in the orgy to get the money. Just like, there is also an orgy if you want to participate. Uh, no, no, no. This, this, is, this, this seems like a trap. This is this is no strings attached to the money. Just the, uh, uh, the this, only... this, this seems like a trap. The, the only string to get the money is that I, I have to like you. That's it. So it you, you like can... You can have a pile of money. Everyone listening can have a pile of money if I become, like, filthy, stinking rich somehow. You can all have a pile of money. Still feels like a trap. Uh, anyway, speaking of traps. Yeah. Uh, um, let's uh, go to your last bit of the community corner. So, Fan Outcry pushes Pathfinder dev to delete new data-sucking tool. There, there you go. Some data sucking for you, right? Hell yeah! Let's let's suck that data. Mm. So, from the sounds of it, it, this is a little bit more than just yeah, you know, like a, a tracking tool. I mean, this was going pretty in depth with uh, ad stuff, and it makes you wonder just how they're allowed to do this. So. Uh, the analytics tool basically Alcat explained in a Q&A post, which all is deleted by the way, because of course it is, for Wrath of the Righteous that uh, AppsFlyer works by sucking your IP addresses timestamp when you launch the game, platform, the version of the game uh, you're running, and your OS. It uses the data to create a fingerprint that then matches against data provided by advertisers, giving Alcat a rough idea of how many people bought the game after seeing an ad for it online. That's, ooh, right? Yeah. That, that, that's re- that, that's getting into, like, Facebook levels of uh, scum. Breach of privacy and data mining and all of that jazz. Um, uh, well, they claim I'm that l- they purged the data that, uh, that they collected and that they reinstate... Ooh, as I accidentally hit my uh, pop filter. Uh... Uh, they claim that they uh, removed the uh, the tool and purged the data. So hopefully that's true. But this is going way beyond what you usually see with this stuff, huh? Yeah. Uh, oh, and they got a review bomb for it because, right? Which, uh, rightfully so in this case. I'm no reading problem. looking to see. I, I don't. I don't think this was like a thing you could opt out of. Like uh, lots no, of times. No, no, there was no opt out as well. Yeah, I, I was looking to see if it, if it mentioned like this feature was opt out, but it was buried or obfuscated or something. Like developers will do that sometimes, frequent frequently. I, I don't know how often it happens, but I have seen it before where that they will put data collection stuff in and you have to opt out and. The first place that it is is like buried somewhere in the EULA, which nobody reads. Mm-hmm. And then like the only other way to find it is like buried multiple layers deep in like the options menu somewhere. But you're not spending twenty hours to read the EULA of a game that's at five hours? Okay. A not usually no. On this one, but yeah, there was a, a thing I saw that uh for the EULAs of the most popular software 
it would take you years to read through like uh, the Windows EULA, uh, iTunes EULA, and a couple others. I mean, the EULAs are just massive. Yep. Nobody's reading this. Nope. And it's been in in several in multiple court cases. Like EULAs are not actually legally binding because it's. Mm. It, like they're written oftentimes in such a way that like the common person can't understand them and they're extremely long and some of them are like absurdly long. Yeah, they're not actually legally binding despite them saying they might be. So, anyways. Um, what, what is actually the uh, longest EULA, <laughs> right? What did you say? It's making me wonder what is actually the longest EULA out there? Well, I guess you could Google it if you wanted to. I'm still scanning this article looking for yeah, anything mean, else. I mean, it's basically, it's scummy, but I'm not sure there's a lot to talk about here because it's basically creating a fingerprint to match against advertising to try to figure out when you saw an advertisement to buy the game that you already bought. I'm assuming that their their kind of game plan here was to make a more focused advertising, like... Oh well, uh, our Facebook uh, advertisements were really uh, uh, good at getting this uh, demographic, so uh, we'll focus here if we want to get them later on. Uh, but it it's scummy, but and uh, assholeish. But I'm not sure there's a lot to really dive into uh, outside of boy, I don't want to play Pathfinder. Although, gotta admit, uh, didn't wasn't how my list to begin with. It was on mine. Pathfinder as well as the new Baldur's Gate. Um, we're both games. Baldur's that, Gate is, but yeah, but I'm I'm waiting to see if Baldur's Gate comes to Game Pass, or mm. for it to have like next year, maybe like a Game of the Year version or whatever that's going to include whatever DLC they come out with. Yeah, assuming that they do DLC, of course, uh, at some point, right? Yeah, I'd imagine that they would, though. The previous Larian games in this vein have had DLC, but mostly I'm just waiting to see if it comes to Game Pass. Because I mean, this is the type of game that I'm going to play, like when I take a week off of work again, and that's going to be what I do for my vacation is play, you know, Baldur's Gate. So I can wait. But uh, I guess one final comment on this whole Pathfinder deal. At least it wasn't a crypto miner. True. At least as far as we know. I mean, it was only one day. Yeah. So our, our last topic, uh, the other community corner topic that we had uh, saved Rockstar buys the makers of the GTA Online 5M mod that it banned eight years ago. Yeah, so this was a role-playing tool uh, to create role-playing servers that, yeah, we definitely don't have anybody that would get into that. (laughs) Nope. We've never had anybody who... I actually don't know if they still listen to the show. If they listen to the show, still. Who has ever done that? (laughs) I mean, more power to you if uh, that's your thing. It's yeah. not mine, but more power to you, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, it makes me wonder if... Okay, so uh, the next GTA is uh, probably in late alpha right now, uh, building out its final systems. It makes me wonder if we're going to see more of the systems that they had in this mod actually in uh, the next GTA. Because this had a lot more like role play stuff. It had uh, larger servers. Uh, it had more custom content. 
And this is building off the absolute spaghetti uh, code that was, uh, you know, GTA 5. Or GTA 5's online component, because, right? Yeah. So, it does make me wonder if we're going to see some, yeah, some of this pop up. If not in this GTA, in the next one. Or the next, yeah, Rockstar open world sandbox game with online components. Be it, you know... Uh, Red Dead Revolution uh, uh, coming back, or, you know, right? Yeah. Or, you know, them building something new. So it makes me wonder if we're going to yeah, uh, see this mod uh, basically be on an official game. Honestly, probably. I mean, I get asking the question, but I don't see why they would do this for any other reason other than to bring on the features of the mod in some way. Especially since the talent. development for so long. Yeah, yeah, or, or the talent behind it for some project that may, I guess that could be wholly unrelated to the mod. But like, I, I just don't see why they would do this if they weren't going to implement it or portions of it into the next Grand Theft Auto. Or if not or, Grand Theft Auto, yeah, something else, right? Yeah. Right, maybe they'll... Oh, 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 I just had a thought. I had a thought, I'm going to share this. They're going to have a role-playing server for their next ping-pong game. <laughs> uh, on the roleplay server, you could be the ball. Hell yeah! Uh, but the really, really good people on the server get to beat the net. Okay, I'll uh, be a little bit assholeish here. <laughs> I will say I do understand roleplay more than I think I used to, just because I play so much more tabletop stuff. Although the type of roleplay that a lot of people did in this, like you know, the the, the emergency services had to re- write reports at the end of their shifts, like. That's awful. I don't want to do that. I have to do paperwork for my real life job. You know, I, I like playing a role. I, I do like doing that. Um, and I can really get into it, but I don't want to have to do paperwork at the end of it. I, although I, I could see how you could use some of these systems, um, some of these tools to develop some interesting either online components of a current game or a new game. Thinking of like MMOs, um, you know, trying to use more sort of player directed uh economies and whatnot having those additional role play tools and systems in place could do a lot to make that a lot more dynamic and i suppose you could do that within the grand theft auto or red dead framework but you know i i would i would like to see a new a new ip that would be cool i could handle that i i don't expect it i feel like that's like hardcore you know sort of spitballing um, but it would be neat to see those tools implemented or further developed into new IP, um, stuff that's not traditionally what Rockstar is known for. Um, but you know, as we talked about, like these studios becoming larger and larger kind of conglomerations, like you just, you pick up new talent and people with experience with things that you haven't traditionally done before. And sometimes people make an impression where they get a chance. So maybe. Well, I'm just, uh, Okay, I had to remind myself and go into uh, a Rockstar's uh, game list. So they have a new uh, Max Payne like reboot going on, uh, and of course GTA. Um, Bully would be an interesting one uh, for this uh, type of thing, and I could definitely see the systems work for uh, you know a school uh, situation. Yeah. That would be a really interesting uh, 
my take on it. Although I'm not sure in the current political uh, side of things, bully would really work these days. Right. Because it, it, it caused a lot of waves back then. Let alone, yeah, now, right? Yeah. Although, yeah, it also depends on how you deal with it because you could easily do a time skip and have him be an adult, and right? Oh, God. He's the next protagonist for, for Grand Theft Auto. He's the GTA <laughs> 6 protagonist, is the kid from Bully. Uh, let's see. L.A. Noir would ooh, L.A. Noir would also be fun. Although that has so much baggage with it. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the the face animation tech that uh, honestly didn't really work out. It was neat, but oh man, did it not uh, add to the game, huh? Press X to doubt. <laughs> well, that one is more. That they rewrote the game way late. And it was going to be a good cop, bad cop, and not, you know, doubt, or something like that. And they never, uh, they basically redid the prompts. Uh, this is what I've read, at least. Uh, they redid the prompts, but didn't really redo the script for it. Because it was too late in development. So instead of playing, like, good cop, bad cop, it's doubt and you're suddenly shouting at someone without any yeah, real context. Yeah, but are there are there any other games in their current or in their portfolio? Like, you know, I know Rockstar's Table Tennis, but like, mm-hmm. what else is in their portfolio that's more modern? I mean, here's the problem is that uh, we talked about game development, you know, taking, a, uh, yeah, slowing down and taking a while. And outside of re-releases, so Red Dead is uh, the most recent at 2018. (laughs) Uh, Not counting the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy Definitive Edition uh, cluster fuck that was. What about going all the way back to like the mid-2000s? Well, okay, so we have... Well, I'm just going to work my way backwards. So, uh, GTA uh, uh, out of the trilogy, Red Dead Redemption 2 slash Red Dead Online, 2018-2019, uh, LA Noir VR Case Files 2017, Bully Anniversary Edition 2016, Grand Theft Auto 5 slash Grand Theft Auto Online 2013. So, hey, we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary there. Um, Max Payne is the next one. Which, I'm not sure if this technology would work for, like, Max Payne multiplayer, because I'm thinking more like, you know, people, you know, slow jumping at each other, uh, uh, firing, uh, uh, dual handguns, you know? No, 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 they slow jump at each other, dueling paperwork. (laughs) Uh, L.A. Noir 2011. Red Dead Redemption, the original. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, The Ballad of Gay Tony. Which, that one was actually a fun one. Uh, Beatonator, which is a music uh, mixer. Which I never really heard of. But it was on iOS and PlayStation Portable. So, there you go, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, Chinatown Wars. Grand Theft Auto 4, The Lost and the Damned. 
than Midnight Club before you get to Grand Theft Auto 4. And we're all the way back to 2008 now. I liked Midnight Club. I missed that series. <laughs> I never really played it. Uh, what did it do a little bit different? Midnight Club, honestly, has a lot in in line with um, Test Drive Unlimited or early iterations of Forza Motorsport or uh, Forza Horizon. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, you know, it was a, a street racer game series, and the 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 more recent additions had open world aspects to them, um, and they had large multiplayer components where you could run around with your friends and challenge them to you know, kind of point-to-point spot races. Um, they had, you know, different race series, car customization. Um, you know, it it feels very in line with Test Drive Unlimited from the time or kind of the first iteration of, of Forza Horizon. Like, I could see inspiration from, you know, from like games like Midnight Club, especially like, uh, what was it, Midnight Club 3 or 4 maybe, like Dub Edition. Um, that looks like... Only one ever came to PC. Yeah, I played on two. (laughs) I played on Xbox 360. Yeah, which had uh, yeah the last couple. I mean, uh, even yeah PSP uh, got up to Midnight Club LA Remix. I was going to say they I didn't release any on Windows, but then I went double checked and no, they released one at uh, yeah twenty years ago. Although, to be fair, yeah, the last one was 2009, so, yeah, that's going to be up there, too. Yeah. I think Midnight Club, the original couple of games, feel very much like a knockoff Need for Speed Underground, if you ever played Need for Speed Underground. Mm-hmm. But later iterations of the game, like, really came into their own for, you know, in their into their own identity for what they were trying to do. This is, I, I remember it fondly. I mean, maybe it's not as good as I remember. Nostalgia yeah. tends to kind of work that way, but I, I remember it well, so for what that's worth. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of uh, going back through uh, Rockstar stuff. Uh, you have The Warriors, which was the movie time game to a 70s movie. So, right? Yep. I remember when that game came out. Um, Manhunt, which, oh boy, if that had a moral panic back in the day, imagine what it would do these days, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the thing, is that Looking back, Manhunt seems so tame as a stealth game outside of its setting, you know? Yeah, very quaint by modern standards. Mm -hmm. And we're already back to 2001 with, like, Smuggler's Run and uh, Oni, uh, which is not that Oni, it's a different one. Uh, Wild Metal, the original Grand Theft Auto, right? (laughs) Yeah. An evil can evil game, which uh, doesn't even have a Wikipedia link. <laughs> so that should tell you something, huh? Yeah, I did not know that they made an evil can evil game. Uh, it looks like it was on Game Boy Color. Wow, that is going back in time. Oh, I need to uh, see a screenshot of this, right? <laughs> Are you evil can evil? Uh, yeah. Oh wow. Uh, uh, I'm not even sure how I'd describe this game. It, you know the uh, the Trials games? Yeah. It looks like that on Game Boy, mixed with a, plat- with a platformer. Uh, Evil Knievel is on his motorcycle on essentially a platformer stage. Right. Well, whatever works uh, for him, I guess. Uh, 
Now I need to see reviews because, right? Uh, is there reviews for? Ooh, IG8 has one. At, at two out of ten. At, at that's pretty much just cancer levels, huh? Poor evil can evil. Where did he go wrong? Um, I'm going to guess many places. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, and, and usually that resulted in a fracture. Or a break. Poor guy. Just out there trying to live his best life. Oh, well, he's dead, so no, he's not. Well, up until he died. Yeah, which I always envisioned, you know, some sort of fire crash or something. I don't actually know how he died. Was it like cancer or something? Oh, uh, we're way off in the weed now, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm about to about to to wind us down. You know, I, I was about to get there, but now I'm curious. How did Evil Can Evil die? How did uh diabetes? Oh, well, good, 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 good for him. Killed by his diabetes. Well, for Grimley, uh, it's rolling in his grave. Well, that in uh, uh, IPF endopathic inflammatory fibrosis, but also diabetes. Uh, it's a uh, lung disease. Yeah. Uh, diabetes is, is one of those things. Like, I mean, it, it can kill you if it's completely untreated, but if you mismanage it, it, it just, it makes everything else worse. It just makes your body worse able to handle anything that comes its way. But it also looks like Evil Knievel has the uh, Guinness record for the most bones broken in a, in a lifetime. That, that feels up. right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have no way to, to verify that. I don't know how they verified that, but honestly, uh, I, I basically, believe Basically, uh, his uh, uh, history is a stunt rider. According to this, 433 broken bones. Nice! So he broke more bones than he had in his body over the course of his life. Yep. That's pretty cool. Like, in a weird sort of way. Like, I don't want that achievement, but, you know, if you're gonna get it, also, it makes him sound like a really shitty stunt rider, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Sounds more Super Dave than Evil Could Evil. So, yeah, I think we're done there. Way mm-hmm. off into the weeds, but I blame tiredness. Me too. And also, so, not sure there's a lot to really talk about in the uh, general topic, so, right? Yeah. Not That's tonight. That's speculation. Which, we do enjoy good speculation from time to time, but... Which, if you used to speculate with us, you could do so by sending us an email, vglpodcast.gmail.com. Tweet us over at the Bluebird, a VGL podcast there, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. Uh, hey, Rage, why don't you hit them with your socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. Maybe sometime I'll tweet again. I'm still not calling you excretions. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, Gaming with CR there. Well, you could also contact me through it. Or if you used to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? I've been me, also known as Jared. You can find me on uh, the site formerly known as Twitter, at JMA4707. I am currently waiting to get a Blue Sky invite, because I've decided just because that that's where I'm going to go so when I get one of those, I'll have one of those. Um, you can find some of my stuff or some of the things that I've done over on twitch.tv slash runic arts. Although we have wrapped 
our vampire series or our vampire tabletop run. We're going to be playing D&D in the relatively near future. But I was like, listen, guys, how about let's not stream this one? Let's just have this one for us. And they were going to think about it. So but, you know, you can see the archive or some other stuff that I might show up on. Who knows what they they get up to? whole bunch of these kids, kids these days, 20-somethings, trying to be big streamers or whatever. I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> anyways. And get off so, my lawn. So you, you can find me there. Um, and then, of course, you can talk to me in our Discord server or send up a smoke screen or uh, something like that. Well, what about excretion? I, I mean, if you wanted to, you could. I'm, I'm, I'm not as into that as I am some other stuff. So you might be better served doing something different, but you know, you could try. So, that's, yeah, that's it. Uh, once again, you could contact us, VGL podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game reality topics, stream to us, VGL podcast, drop by the discord, which you can find the link to that at the top of VGL podcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is underground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputate.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.